Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the FDI podcast. I'm Seth O'Farrell, FDI's global investment reporter. As mentioned in our previous episode, where Alex went to the EBRD's 2022 annual meeting and business forum held in Marrakesh, the year that the world, broadly speaking, emerged from the pandemic turned out to be a turbulent one. With geopolitical instability sparked by the war in Ukraine and rising inflation, global FDI flows don't appear likely to have the bounce back many had hoped for. In mid-September, I went to the World Investment Conference organised by WIPER, the World Association of Investment Promotion Agencies in Geneva, to find out more about what IPAs had to say in all of this. Over the course of three days, WIPER held talks, panel discussions, workshops, featuring UN officials, IPA directors, consultants, analysts and journalists. And also, as a nod to the fact that Invest India currently has the WIPER presidency, there were also yoga and meditation sessions. In total, 104 members were in attendance in person. I caught up with Deepak Bagla, CEO of Invest India, and therefore the president of WIPA, whose main message at the conference was that the role of IPA should adapt to a new world order of shorter supply chains and international collaboration. We've been through a very brutal 24 months. We've all been in different boats, but in the same storm. And what we did find during these 24 months was everyone realised that never before have they seen the importance of working together than now. I recollect even during this, during those 24 months of the pandemic, it was not just the WIPA members calling each other to help them get PPEs or masks or vaccines, but it was also about trying to ask each other on where else they needed help. And suddenly you found global supply chain shifting. And now we're moving into a world which is completely disrupted. The moment there is disruption and change, it requires a completely different set of skills and stakeholders which come into play. And within that entire positioning, if you look at it, each of our IPAs suddenly found themselves to be the focal points. And the reason why you have so many of them in person in Geneva, and it's not easy for many of them to travel across, was that they found one that they all have to work together. It's not just about prosperity, but existence. It is no longer just a portrait. It has to be a landscape. Every one of us is in the boat together. We have to hold hands and make it happen for everyone else too. So it is no longer an individualist pursuit of any single entity or country. But it has now to become a collective pursuit. And nobody better than the IP is to have seen that happen. Second, initially, if you notice, the real role of an IPA initially was to be the voice of the investor in the system. How that has changed today is, today an IPA is no longer just the voice of the investor. Today the IPA is also the voice of the government. Today the IPA is also the voice of the policymaker. And most importantly, Today, the IPA is also the voice of each and every citizen of their country, impact everyone else. So what has happened is the transition of this role from being a pure promotion entity and a catalyst to being a protagonist now. Because think about an IPA, which was the confluence point of the private sector and the public sector and the government in every uh, country. Today, it has moved beyond those points. The biggest challenge which government and policymakers are facing across the globe 
is on creating a policy structure or a restructure to meet the demands of the changing and disrupted global movements. I pressed Mr. Bagler on how he understood that reorganization of supply chains was also a reorganization of lives. I mean, both of them are happening in any case. Supply chains, typically as we see them now, are moving closer to where the markets are. If you had looked at what had happened in the past two to three decades, supply chains had extended themselves across and spread themselves too wide. You need to make an aircraft, you needed supplies and parts coming out from 36 countries. And then to be flown to another country where it was demanded. So one is supply chains are moving closer, they're becoming shorter, and they're moving closer to where the markets are. How will they impact efficiencies? One will have to see. But at the same point of time, they're also looking at sustainability because it might reduce the level of resources required. But it's out there for us to look at. With the change in supply chains, and which they're becoming closer to where the markets are, there's also a greater focus on seeing the age-old principle of comparative advantage which every market has. So these are two different elements and forces which are coming into play. And they will have a set of confluence and a finalization which we will see going forward in the next few years. But at the same point of time, when supply chains are moving, the role of the IPA becomes to work around with each other and other IPAs to share success stories. The ease of doing business. More importantly, the ease of living. Creating ecosystems which create it in the most sustainable and the efficient manner and taking it closest to the market and the consumer based on their demands. So those are the other elements which are now coming to fore and we see IPAs playing a very significant role in that. The tagline of this event is IPA shaping the future of FDI. What does that future look like? There's been a lot of talk about how we're sort of, we've moved away from, from the sort of uh, the globalization years of the 1990s and the 2000s. You even mentioned how the idea of growth needs to be changed or understanding of that word. Um, what does the future of FDI look like in this context? This is a very interesting point to bring up because capital flows where there's trust. Capital flows where there's opportunity. And capital flows where it gets a return. That is the first element of it. And you will start seeing that happen in a much bigger manner. Trust is going to become now one of the most critical elements with sustainability. With that will be the ecosystem and, as I said, closer to the marketplace. But then starts the other element of it, the competition versus the cooperation. And that is something which you will see developing at different levels from that competitive element to becoming a more cooperative element. To see that you alone cannot prosper in this world. And that has been the theme of this conference if you really look at it. If IPAs have been in the same boats over the course of the pandemic, they are evidently at varying stages on this path to digitization, sustainability and shortened supply chains. They also face different challenges as they sit within different geopolitical and economic contexts. The Ukraine war has impacted many IPAs, especially those in neighbouring countries, but not only. Global inflation remains a persistent concern that few can avoid, 
And due to the energy crisis in Europe, national governments' ambitions for the green transition look to be a delicate balancing act between sustainability and energy security. I went around the conference asking IPA's three main questions. What are the biggest challenges they face? Is there indeed a trade-off between sustainability and energy security? And if we're at a juncture where the role of IPAs is changing, what does the future of FDI look like? Grzegorz Slomkowski, member of the board's Polish Investment and Trade Agency, tells me that the biggest challenge Poland faces is the Ukraine war and the need to assuage the concerns of wary investors. In Poland, actually, the the biggest issue is the war between Ukraine and Russia. And, of course, many investors are asking, is it still safe to invest in Poland? Uh, And sometimes they came, even CEO of big organizations, just to prove that Poland is still a safe place, uh, which, of course, is. Uh, So this is the first issue. The second, of course, is coming, uh, is the result of the war. Uh, I mean, uh, outburst of energy prices. So uh, all investors are worried about uh, electricity price, uh, gas price, uh, about uh, shortage of energy supply. So all those issues should be addressed. But of course, it's not only the, the issue of Poland itself, but also issue of European market. Yeah. And the, the last one, I would say, is... Uh, it's a difficult question because uh, th- there are many issues in regarding investments, but I I think the the inflation is the the third uh, concern. Of course, it depends on the policy of the European Bank on the energy prices, on the stabilization of the um, uh, economy worldwide. So th- th- these are the main three issues. But is there a trade-off between sustainability and energy security? Actually, it's a big topic at the moment because all the prices are stick to the gas prices in 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 the European Union. So uh, s- suddenly we have very expensive energy. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- there's a big discussion uh, on the EU level if this is a correct scheme to to attach uh, pri- energy prices to to gas itself but rather calculate some sort of mix with renewables uh, because now they benefit from the high prices of of the uh, natural gas. So, uh, of course, long term, we should uh, be uh, neutral. uh, I mean, uh, environmental neutral, but it will take some years, uh, especially now uh, when this market has been uh, destabilized by uh, war of Russia with Ukraine. I also spoke to Bogdan Bogdanov executive director of Invest Bulgaria Agency, who stressed that geopolitical instability is one of its main challenges. But he remains optimistic for the future of FDI into Bulgaria as the country looks to build more local expertise. Three main challenges we face currently are mainly related to a global instability and um, outli- outline it as follow. Uh, first of all, one of the main challenges is the regional geopolitical instability. Of course, uh, with uh, with that challenge uh, a prompt, the investors are becoming more and more cautious, and uh, they are looking uh, into uh, investments uh, that are really bringing value in long term. At the same time, however, uh, we see a challenge of um, uh, a local um, instability because in this turbulent environment, governments are changing. So our agency should become the bridge between the investors 
and the local environment. And this is something where we are putting a lot of efforts uh, to um, uh, bring confidence in investors that their investments will be accomplished in the desired way. And at the same time, I will make sure that um, the investments will be done in the desired timing frame. Because nowadays the timing is the most important and one of the most important aspects. And since uh, there are some factors which we can control, but a lot of factors we cannot, um, uh, like, uh, for example, the, the geopolitical situation. We're trying really to, to be upfront and make sure that um, we are building the right value proposition to investors and we are with them through the full cycle uh, of their investments. The tagline of this talk is IPA shaping the future of FDI. Um, my question to you is, what is the future of FDI? Is it more FDI or better FDI? Are we at a turning point in how we, con how we conceive of what's, what's the best kind of FDI? We are looking into more better FDI. So um, uh, to, to be exact, uh, of course, one of the main priorities is to have a FDI that adds value to our economy. But at the same time, we have a very solid ecosystem working in several key industries in Bulgaria. And we are not only looking into the FDI as, as an investment, but we are looking to those investors as becoming part of a sustainable ecosystem. We're looking into long-term partnerships. So when uh, we're talking to investors, one of the most important aspects is, from one side, what is the, the, the value we could add to that investment as economy? Because sustainability is something important. We don't want just investments that will be in Bulgaria for several years and then go away because uh, they may be penetrated the market due to lower operational costs. Although that's one of the biggest advantages. But we are uh, the um, European Union country with the lowest operational costs and second lowest tax rates in European Union. So th that's definitely a huge advantage. But what we are really looking for is using that advantages but building a solid local presence, know-how and value to the investor, but also to the local economy. So I don't see uh, uh, a lot of trade-offs in, in that relation. But what is the future? Definitely the future for us is to, uh, to be more proactive from one side as an agency. Uh, so static um, behavior uh, will not bring uh, any desired results. So proactive in terms of, again, building the right business model together with the investor, proactive in remaining with the investor through the whole investment cycle, creating the necessary um, connections to the local ecosystem, but at the same time bringing on board the other institutions which are adding value to the investor. So we as a government agency are just one important piece of the puzzle, but we also have very important contribution that is coming with the support of the municipalities. So we are looking into develop, but also uh, extend the scope of activities on the investment level at the municipalities so that investors can receive also the desired local support. So that uh, experts from the municipalities can be closer to those investors. They can be talking to them even on a monthly basis and understand what are the exact needs that we can transform into actions. And one example, 
Um, now we have lots of initiatives with the nearshoring. So why do we need just to look for new investors when we have a companies that have been um, in a sustainable way expanding in Bulgaria in the last 20 years? And we want to help those companies to bring closer to them some of their customers, some of their key suppliers, or some of the key resources that might need. So this kind of proactive approach is something that we are relying in the future. Elsewhere, when I ask Albert Hawampa, acting director of Zambia Development Agency, he is keen to point out that inflation, which now stands at 9% in the country, is down considerably from the double digits it was in in the wake of its debt default in 2020. This has prompted an inflow of foreign investment into the country. The business environment in Zambia has stabilised. Look at the inflation. It was at 24% runaway inflation. But the new Don government, headed by His Excellency Mr. Hagende Hijilema, the inflation is now at 9%. That's a good indicator that investors can now come into Zambia. Look at the foreign exchange rate. It was so, it was volatile, but now it's very stable. Investors can predict what their cost of doing business will be next year and the other year. There's that stability. The debt issue, we had, we still have high debt in Zambia, and we were defaulting as a country, but the new Dawn government, I am, I, am keeps, I keep saying the New Dawn government because we're a government agency mm -hmm. and uh, the, the, the political environment affects how we do things. The debt for, for, for Zambia, which is around 13 billion somewhere there, has been managed. This government has begun or rather successfully negotiated with the creditors, those whom we owe money, so that this debt can be restructured. The negotiations that were going on between the government and the creditors has created the platform or a conducive environment for the IMF, you know, staff level amounting to 1.3 billion, which was concluded first week of September. So the debt for the country is being restructured, meaning that we'll stop defaulting, meaning that we'll be able to pay on a longer period okay, than would have been the case. So the economy is being managed in a very prudent manner, right? Those were the big challenges for the country, but now they are being resolved. Solutions are being provided. Stability of exchange rates, stability of inflation, single digit now, debt being restructured. And we've seen, because of the stability of these macroeconomic fundamentals, we are seeing an inflow of foreign investors into Zambia. And this is remarkable because there is now confidence in the market. I asked Mr. Hawampa about the green transition in Zambia and the trade-off between sustainability and energy security. Yeah, of course, there should be. You need energy, but energy should be in such a way that it must be sustainable. It must contribute to the way we mitigate against climate change, right? We need to move away from fossil fuels, you know, the propelled energy. We need to move to renewable energy, green energy. 
reduce carbon emissions, make sure that we are contributing to clean environment. So as Zambia, we are promoting solar energy, we are promoting hydro-powered energy, we are also promoting wind energy, biofuels. We believe that it's important for a country to invest in energy, but in a very sustainable and responsible manner. Because in as much as we need energy to drive the growth of manufacturing of industry, we also need to make sure that the future generations must find the environment and the economy in a way that it impacts them positively. So you need both, yeah? But it's a, the trade-off is always complicated. But you need to do it in such a way that as we transition uh, from energy that is uh, fossil fueled, we need, as we transition to renewable energy, we need to do it in a very responsible manner so that in as much as we, we, we make sure that uh, industry and uh, domestic consumers have the right amount of energy, we also need to make sure that we have energy that impacts positively the future generations and also the environment. That is very, very important. But how can this be managed, I ask? It's no easy task. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's not an easy task. I think um, we, we, we make sure that um, as we evaluate projects, that come into Zambia, foreign direct investors or domestic investors, we bring in our sister institutions, the Zambia Environmental Management Agency, which we call ZEMA, to make sure that every project in energy complies to those environmental requirements, to make sure that every institution you know, complies you know, to environmental, sustainable, and governance issues, ESG. That's very, very important. So we make sure that we bring a third arm, you know, to make sure that all the companies are complying to the environmental requirements so that we do everything in a very, very sustainable manner. And so is it all quality FDI over quantity FDI? Well, this theme is, is quite timely, really. I, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's a good theme and I, I think it speaks to what's happening around the world, just having coming come from the COVID pandemic that was setting us apart now that we're able to meet in person. Uh, I believe that uh, the IPAs really are, are shaping the future of FD, FDIs. If the Zambia Development Agency is able to put in strategies, which we are, to make sure that we bring in investors that are creating jobs, that are investing in value chains, that are investing in value addition, creating wealth for the Zambian people, and also to be able to meet our national goals. We believe that that's, with that role played well, we should be able to, to, to actually shape the future of foreign direct investment. And Sean Chang, Commissioner of Invest Korea, told me that the Ukraine war and inflation are key concerns in South Korea as the country works to focus on sustainability and higher quality FDI. So obviously the three challenges will be we're very volatile to all the little changes or uh, unexpected changes globally. For example, inflation, Ukraine war, we are very volatile to those issues. So obviously those are the one of the, one of the very uh, three challenges we're facing. And globally, we're going through net, uh, neutral, carbon neutralization and digital transformation. Three issues we have to go through to make a, uh, adequate uh, 
investments inbound. The tagline of this event is IPA shaping the future of FDI. From your perspective, what is the future of FDI? Is it more FDI or better FDI? Starting from a couple of years ago, we started to attract better FDIs quality-wise. We're very focusing on um, semiconductor industry and biohealth industry to attract better quality um, FDI inbounds. Indeed, some aspects of FDI appear likely to change with increased calls for sustainability investments and a new role for IPAs to play, perhaps one that is necessarily more digitised and decentralised. Patrick Bench, president of Benchmark Strategies, a Boston-based consulting firm, says that technology and multilingualism will play a key role in the future of FDI. I, I believe it's really important the future of FDI is multilingual. So we have, um, you know, English has been the predominant language here, Seth, at this conference. Um, but if, as IPAs are looking to compete, they also need to understand what are the first languages of, of those decision makers. Um, both uh, in terms of having uh, native uh, people speaking in their native language, both written, verbal communication, and have them part of our team. And so the IPAs that I see really succeeding in the future um, are those that have globally diverse teams uh, that, are, uh, that understand uh, that decision makers are everywhere uh, and uh, they can come from any city. Secondly, um, digitalization has been, you know, a top, one of the two or three top topics at this conference. Um, how are you investing in um, data collection, online events? Um, how are you utilizing uh, smart platforms like LinkedIn, um, you know, to promote, you know, to promote gather intel and also connect with expats from your countries that are now decision makers around the world? But as IPAs digitize, is there one particular technology that can disrupt FDI? The continued develop of artificial intelligence in, in ways that, to predict whether it's, um, you know, uh, decision makers, uh, how, to, how to get into their SEO rhythms. Um, I think a lot of the IPAs, just by how they're structured as government agencies, tend to be more on the conservative side. Um, but uh, if you really do want to connect like a B2B or an enterprise solution, um, you need to be in those web searches when they're uh, beyond when they're hiring, looking at IPA or locations, you need to identify that individual and ensure when they're searching for almost anything, you're, you're there. Uh, does that close the deal? No. But if you're competing with 20 other countries or regions and your name recognition keeps on popping up. Other is is investment in the website and website video content. So um, Alicia Rodriguez on the benchmark team leads that piece. And what we're consistently seeing is if you're not putting video, smart professional video content, you know, out with your posts, out with your messaging, the algorithms are not picking this up. And so that's not uh, that's an area that IPAs just need to acknowledge. Right. So uh, there's different levels of professionalism, but video is key, whether it's your minister giving an update, whether it's a project manager in a specific space of, say, cybersecurity giving the latest. Or maybe it is um, a, uh, a department chair at a university talking through about the capabilities. Video continues to be king. And I still think and I believe that's going to be a leading driver that can really disrupt IPA. But as the future of FDI becomes the present of FDI, not all are convinced that technology is a suitable facilitator of investment. I've been talking to IPS globally. And what we, what we come up with that is that 
there are limits to what we can do by um, digitalization of the investment promotion, for example, virtual or um, on-tech uh, on, on meetings. But there are limits to it. So investment purposes, you have to meet in person mm. to actually uh, discuss and uh, talk about the investment process. Mm -hmm. So it's very... Um, I don't really agree with the digitalized um, investment process. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are limits to it, and to a certain point, you can. But for the uh, decision-making stage, you have to meet in person to person. Mm -hmm. So, broadly speaking, there are some aspects of FDI and investment promotion that will have to change. It's clear that we're at a turning point where governments are facing a more turbulent and competitive world, and one with more pressing concerns such as energy security and the green transition. Yet on the other hand, there are still limits to how much of this industry can change, especially when it comes to the digitization of investment promotion. I personally would like to stick with the primitive, per se, <laughs> way of promoting investment. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com. And so that's it for this episode, but we want to hear from you. What do you think about the future of FDI? Please also subscribe to FDI Podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time. Mm -hmm.